It's the most important meal of their week. It might be the most important meal of their month. And if we disappoint them with a marginal eating experience, then they may not come back for months. Lamar Steiger returns as a guest in his role both as a rancher and a consultant to beef retailers as we discuss the value in you and I as ranchers knowing and understanding more about the end user of our product we call beef. And the first thing we should be thinking about doing is being certain that we are producing the kind of product that customers want. We'll also get an update on the Walmart beef supply chain. I mean, they sell what customers want, not what we think they want. And while we're on the topic of beef supply chains, let's talk vertical integration. And so don't let our fear of vertical integration and the downside of that keep us from being vertically cooperative. Do we really know what the customer wants or are we wanting what we want? on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. And this is the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. We're glad to have you joining us on our program today. We do have a great show in store for you. I want to let you know that If you do hear something you like, leave comments. Let us know. Send me an email, however you want to do that. Hit the like button, whatever program or apparatus you're listening on. If there's a way uh, to leave some sort of a comment, do that. That helps us for a lot of different reasons, not only for other folks that might be looking through the different shows that are out there and see something and they see a lot of comments or remarks on it. Maybe they'll go in there and listen to it. But also, uh, it also helps us know, too, so that when we cover a show or cover a topic in that vein of whatever that subject may be, then we can continue to follow through and do more programs like that. In addition to that, we're always open to any ideas for show topics as well. Please feel free to reach out to me at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. And by the way, if you missed something here today, it's pretty simple. You can go to any podcast provider out there or our podcast site at workingranchradio.com and you can download today's program from there as well. Well, let's jump into our show here today. I'm pleased to have back with us Lamar Steiger, who's a good friend of mine. In fact, a, a kind of a family friend, so to speak. Lamar, glad to have you joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thanks for having me, Justin. Uh, we're also uh, distantly kind of related. Yeah. Your <laughs> uncle was married to my aunt for years and years back in the 60s, 70s. Yep, yep, that's true. And and not to get totally off the track here, but, I, but I'll share this with listeners as well. The other tie-in a little bit was the ranch that you were raised on near Hewlett, Wyoming, was a ranch that my family looked at purchasing when they were moving up into the Black Hills of Wyoming. So I don't know if you, I think you knew yes. that too. And then uh, your family bought yeah, that. I knew that. Yep. I knew that, Justin. It's a, it is a, it's a big country, but a small world. Yeah, it is. Well, Lamar, the last time we had you on, we had you on for two shows as we were talking about the Walmart beef supply chain. You shared with us how that had come together, how it was working and where they were going with that. It's been about three years as, as you and I were just talking before we went on air since we've had that conversation. And I know a lot of things have transpired since that time. So give us an update just on that element that we had talked about previously. Yeah. So looking at it from a hundred thousand feet down, I recently had a meeting with the senior executive for global procurement at Walmart. And it was really interesting for me to sit back and actually kind of be in awe of the number of supply chains, the number of items that Walmart, and I'm sure other grocers are doing this as well, the number of supply chains that they're looking back into those supply chains all the way to genetics. You know, they're down in Chile, they're procuring uh, cut flowers, and they're looking at what genetic markers there are for extending the life of a cut flower so that it blooms longer. Uh, They're looking at all kinds of different supply chains from fruits and vegetables. And and so, you know, from my narrow perspective of working with the beef team, it was kind of a world that I worked in for almost a decade there with Walmart. And it seemed pretty narrow that that beef is so important to to the grocer because when somebody buys beef, red meat, when they shop at a grocery store, they buy a substantially more items than if they don't buy red meat. And so they may not make a lot of money on the red meat, but then if somebody puts in ketchup and bread and baked beans and all those kind of things for a hamburger cookout, 
you know, it makes for a lot bigger ring at the at the uh, checkout counter. And so it was interesting for me in December to sit in that meeting and and really get a perspective for just how important surety of a supply chain is for grocers and also uh, not just the surety, but a trustworthy perspective that they can look their customers in the eye and say, yes, we know where our food comes from and we're doing everything we can to ensure that that food is everything that you want it to be as a consumer so that you have a great eating experience. And of course, beef is such a big part of that. And so if you, a little recap is that uh, we started touring around the country in the middle of the last decade with Walmart executives and, and visiting with ranchers and visiting feedlots and, um, it's a lot of fun for me as a as a small rancher in Southwest Missouri and Northwest Arkansas to call some of the best and most prestigious ranches in the United States and say, hey, the, the CEO of Walmart wants to know what you think about a better food supply chain for beef mm-hmm. and uh, and get to go and get to get to spend some time with really the most progressive and and I think the most professional ranchers all over all over the United States. And and so we spent quite a bit of time doing that before they made a deal with Bob McLaren at 44 Farms down in Texas. And if you remember, 44 Farms formed a company called Prime Pursuits, which uh, procures beef calves. Uh, off the farm for the most part uh, through superior and through other methods as well uh, they they procure those cattle and uh, and follow them through and manage them through until they go to the back of the the packing plant and the packing plant handling that supply chain is uh, Creekstone in our Kansas City uh, Kansas for those of our from Arkansas it's Arkansas City but they are very tender about that Justin. <laughs> and um, and so that meat goes down to it. They call a case ready plant where they put the meat, they cut the meat up in uh, Thomasville, Georgia, and they cut that meat up and put it in those trays. The most expensive part of shipping meat is after it's in those little trays that are at the grocery store because you can only stack them too high and you have to ship them with a, a mother bag of a, a gas mix that pulls the moisture out and, and all. And so then those go to grocery stores. I think it's up over 600 stores now in Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, in that part of the world, maybe a little bit over all the way to Mississippi, I think. And so that was their first supply chain. Customers have really responded well. In oh, I think about 2014, Walmart said we're gonna we're gonna want Angus cattle only, and uh, they really tried to work hard to make a more consistent product. Not that there's not great Hereford and there's not great Limousine and similar to all those other mm-hmm. ones, mm-hmm. but. For consistency, they just thought maybe if they landed on one breed, a breed with a great reputation, that customers would respond. And they felt like they really got no credit for that at all from the customer. And then about 2017, they decided to go to an upper two-thirds choice program. And customers really, you know, they didn't feel like they got a lot of credit for that either, even though they worked really hard with their suppliers. And then... Now with this program, this Prime Pursuits program, which by the way, has a label in the store of McLaren Farms. So if you're in the Southeast United States or you vacation down there and you go into Walmart, pick up some of that McLaren Farm, it's phenomenal. It's non-hormone added, mm-hmm. uh, which it seems to be very important to people on the coast, maybe the left and right coast, both of those are seem more important than you and you and I in the Midwest. So that's been several years now. <laughs> we They actually went to the stores and February of 20. Mm-hmm. And you know what happened in March of 20? Yeah. The whole country got shut down. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were able to have um, over 75% of their in stock delivered to the stores from this supply chain, whereas the other suppliers to Walmart and other grocers really had a hard time with even keeping up with 20% in stocks with the way the plants were being shut down and the upheaval. And, and, and I think the, the COVID disaster really solidified the importance to the grocers and surety of their own supply chain. And knowing that when there is something going on like that, and it could be an animal disease outbreak, you know, I never in my life thought it would be something like yeah. the human flu, COVID. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so that's kind of an update on, on what we talked about the last time. So the other thing I know since I had talked to you before, 
and you had mentioned it just a little bit ago that you did make a lot of trips out visiting ranchers and you were all up. I mean, you were from down, down there to all the way up to the Northwest and all over the country. The question I have is what was the response or what was, where were you hearing from ranchers just about this and, and, and what Walmart was wanting to do. And then also the deal with 44 farms that Walmart had, just what was kind of the context of the conversations that you were hearing as you were going out with the Walmart execs at these producer meetings? Yeah, I, I'm pretty relational and been in the cattle business a long time. And so I have a lot of contacts that I knew that I were really kind of confident that they were pretty progressive and pretty mm-hmm. much willing to look at a new way of doing things. And, and you know, there's several hundred thousand ranchers in the United States and selling beef to Walmart in the Walmart program and knowing, knowing where your beef comes from and everything is not not necessarily what it's not for every rancher, right? I mean, there's all kinds of way to market your cattle, but there are enough ranchers that responded that were really ready, uh, you know, and you hear this and maybe it's a little bit cliche, but to do things differently, that they just are not happy with the status quo. The CEO of Walmart is a guy, actually, he was a few years younger than me at Bentonville, Arkansas High School, and his name is Doug McMillan, and he is, he is so passionate about two things. He's passionate about the customer winning and the rancher winning. And he has put a lot of his own time and energy. And when you're CEO of the largest company in the world and you spend an entire day at a ranch, Mm -hmm. it sends a message to the company. It also sends a message to Wall Street. It sends a message to consumers. I mean, they pay attention to that, that he only has 300 something days a year to invest his time and he's investing his time in the beef business. And, and, and there, they, uh, I think the first reaction was, is Walmart really serious? Like, are they, are they actually going to follow through on what they, they are painting the picture, what Lamar was out trying to sell and paint the picture of. And, and I think we've gotten past that. I think that Walmart has proven through several years now buying cattle that they are aggressively committed to making sure that the rancher feels like he's the winner and that um, that they get paid in such a way that they can stay in business. You know, uh, one of the things that Walmart talks about a lot as a company is they're committed to being a regenerative company and regenerative and sustainable means that ranchers uh, in this particular supply chain, that ranchers actually can stay in business. You know, we need we need ranchers to be sustainable. And mm-hmm. and I think the Walmart executives, the family, the Walton family, I think they feel like they have a real obligation as a large grocer to make sure that the American consumer gets a really good product, a consistent size, a consistent quality at a consistent price that gives them a really good eating experience. And so, you know, I've, I sit on an airplane, I travel a lot. And it, when people, if they ask where you're from and you say Bentonville, everyone has a horror story of Walmart. When you have uh, 2.1 million employees worldwide that, you know, you can only imagine Justin, there's probably a disaster gone every day. And, and yet the heart of those executives is just really, they're just regular guys and gals just trying to make sure that customers are taken care of and that they they look back and try as hard as they can not to just be the low price leader, but to make sure that their supply chain is sustainable economically as well as uh, some of the other things that that uh, that we we should be doing and we're doing really well in some areas and could do better as far as sustainability of of the planet. Mm-hmm. Well, Lamar, let's take a break here. When we come back, I want to continue on down as we get a little bit deeper into looking at the perspective as you have with your consulting dealing not only with ranchers, but also on the consumer side, the retail side. I want to go into that just a little bit more because I think there's a lot of things we can pull from that that will help us as ranchers each and every year as we're making decisions going clear back to genetics, to management, and various other things that do affect us here as ranchers as well this segment today brought to you by diamond v natural immune support postbiotic feed additives because your animal's health deserves a healthier approach find out more at diamondv.com we'll be back after this when your goal is to help animals reach their full potential health matters diamond v offers a fresh perspective on animal health a perspective that supports gut health, strengthens immunity, and enhances performance. For those who choose to invest in keeping healthy animals healthy, 
feeding Diamond V makes a statement about another dimension of profit, where margins are measured by confidence in your future. To get a fresh perspective, visit DiamondV.com because animal health deserves a healthier approach. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. My guest today, Lamar Steiger. He is the owner of 808 Ranch there in southwestern Missouri, but uh, he's also a consultant. And when we talked to Lamar about two or three years ago, that was also the basis of what we were talking about with, was his knowledge and work with Walmart uh, in working with ranchers. And so his business, Ranch to Retail, really understanding that segment of our industry, of our beef industry, of really from the retail side, how important that is as ranchers that we need to understand that. Lamar, I want to go real quick. In the last segment, you talked a little bit about when you were going out and visiting with producers, you knew right away it was going to have to be producers that maybe were a little bit more progressive in their way of thinking. A couple of weeks ago, Dr. Ty Lawrence, who you are familiar with as well, we interviewed him regarding the subject of beef on dairy. Just a great interview. It was a two-part series. And he left with this one statement. Don't be a traditionalist because sticking to tradition can sometimes leave you wanting opportunity that may never appear. And I thought that was wow. interesting. Yeah. And I, and, and I, I pause a little bit for people to think about that and go back and listen to that because I think about with where we're at and the tone of our conversation that we're having here today is really the idea as ranchers to really be understanding what we're selling and who it's going to. And I think in, in your case here, that was something that you wanted to talk about is that us as ranchers, you know, we've told our story. We need to continue to tell our story as ranchers, but we also need to appreciate our customers as well. Yes. So something that's been on my mind quite a bit as I've gone around the country and spoke a little bit this winter and last fall is, uh, is and I mentioned, I think, briefly in the first, the first segment that the CEO of Walmart, Doug, he talks a lot about the rancher being the hero and the customer being the hero. I am never in a meeting with grocers that they do not bring up. Now, how does this help our customer? Like, is this what our customer wants? Is this going to satisfy our customer? And they they never have a meeting where they uh, where they don't focus in at some point on the customer. And they may be talking about a new supply chain. They may be talking about something really cool and everything. But if it doesn't work for the customer, it really doesn't matter. And so what's been on my mind a little bit, Justin, is that that we have this habit as ranchers of wanting to be, and we should be, appreciated. I mean, it is really hard, the ranching work, especially to have this conversation in, in January, <laughs> right, with the kind of winter that that even those of us in the South have had. Uh, you know, it's like really hard work, but yet, you know, we choose to do it. You know, nobody holds a gun to our head and do it. And then we get kind of aggravated when we don't feel like the American public appreciates us or that they really understand, you know, how hard it is and all. And what I would like to do is flip that on the, the other side of the coin and just say, you know, we as ranchers and as agriculturalists, we need to really make, go back to what Doug said, we need to make the customer the hero. And the first thing we should be thinking about doing is being certain that we are producing the kind of product that customers want. And so, you know, there's all kinds of conversations all the time about what's the best beef that we can make. And, and there's a lot of opinions over, you know, the type <laughs> of beef and, and the breeds and, and this, all this kind of stuff. But when you have 100 million customers come in your stores every week, you know, like the Walmart yeah. and Sam's people, they know what customers want and what they don't want and what they're unhappy with. And they're unhappy with inconsistent size of, uh, of muscle cuts. They're unhappy with inconsistent supply chain. And they're unhappy with an inconsistent eating experience. And so I think, you know, I tell this story so much that it, sometimes I've prayed I'm really repetitive, but, you know, when ribeyes are so big and we keep, you know, I go to purebred black Angus sales, I'm a black Angus breeder and they, the auctioneer pounds this gavel and says, look at the ribeye on, look at the ribeye on this. And, and customers in grocery don't want a ribeye that's big. They need a ribeye, number one, that they can afford the, the weight. They want a ribeye that's at least an inch thick and uh, sometimes even thicker. And if, if a ribeye is great big, then the grocer uh, has to cut that ribeye thinner. And then when it's cut thinner, because people do not buy their steak, this is interesting, people don't buy their beef by the pound. They buy it by the ring price. 
if there's 2.2 pounds in the hamburger package. They're looking at how much that price is, not how much it is by pound. And uh, maybe people that shop in butcher shops may be a little bit different than that, but people that own grocery stores are that way. And so, you know, they really are focused in on that. And so they have to buy something at a price. And so to keep that price, the grocer needs to cut that ribeye thinner. When it's cut thinner, guess what? Then oftentimes the customer doesn't cook it properly. They overcook it. And then they have a bad eating experience and then they don't blame the rancher. You know, they blame, they blame the grocer. Mm -hmm. They blame Kroger and Safeway and all. And so I'm really, uh, I'm really hyped up on, on getting a message out there that we should be uh, talking to our customers more. We should be in grocery stores as ranchers. You know, when I go in a grocery store with my wife, I can stand at the meat counter and when somebody looks confused, and they oftentimes are, you know, when they, they don't know whether to get a, 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 a ribeye or a, or a strip or a tenderloin, then, you know, I can I can coach them through that. And it gives me a 10 minute interaction. <laughs> and and so I encourage, you know, ranchers to do that, and especially, you know, outside of your hometown when you travel, just talk, engage with those ranchers that um, Oregon Country Beef, which is a a brand out of uh, Oregon and Washington and all that's in Whole Foods, they require that their supply chain ranchers go to, I think, at least two or three grocery stores for the day per year. Hmm. And so the grocery, they go and, and set up a little booth there by the meat counter and they just engage with their customers. And And we need to be, I my feeling is we need to be more appreciative of customers who are still buying red meat at the high prices that they are right now because of our squeeze and in inventory and all that's going on. Uh, prices for red meat are really, really high, but yet our customer has not backed off much on purchasing it. And we should be very appreciative of that. Mm-hmm. With your interaction with customers or that, that aspect of working with these retailers in their customers and the ranchers and being that, that middleman in that, what are you seeing with where the customers are at now in terms of the knowledge of where their product is coming from? We keep, we keep talking about that. And I know that there is that desire that they want to know where their food comes from. We understand that. You can probably get to, I'm kind of kicking on the back door a little bit of the idea that there's some in the segment saying, well, we need country of origin labeling. Others are saying, well, we need to wait for the consumer to really be asking for that. So let's go down that just a little bit and say, okay, well, what point is the consumer driving this enough to where we're going to see some element of labeling that's going to happen? Yes. So I was with a grocer last week traveling in Kansas and Oklahoma, and he said 80, uh, 80, 85% of his customers just, they don't want to know where their food comes from. They want to know that he knows where their food comes okay. from. And he's the, uh, he's probably the second largest hamburger grind buyer in the United States for grocery. Mm-hmm. And then eight to 12%, he said, they want to know more. They want to know a little bit more than, than just trusting mm-hmm that their grocer knows where the food comes from. And then there's two or three or 4%, whatever's left in that math, uh, that they are very vocal and they're on social media and they really want to know everything. You know, they want to know everything from antibiotic to, to all this. And they are the ones that are probably shopping at especially grocery stores that can, and they're people that can afford mm-hmm. to go and pay more for some more stories. And so the balance there is trying to satisfy, you know, all three, because yeah. unfortunately the, the noisy 3% or 2%, whatever it is, they're the ones that kind of set the tone for how American consumers are feeling and drifting. If they're really, really talking a lot on social media about a certain thing, then more and more customers see that and they get interested in that particular thing. And so, um, so, you know, then, then I think the response is, is to, for grocers to start investigating or not investigate, but to start investing in their supply chain enough that they can look their customers in the eye and say, hey, we know where this comes from and, and you can trust us on this. And so I think, you know, that's kind of where, where I've come to about that particular yeah. question. And it's not, every, it's not everybody wants everything. Mm-hmm. And there's a large group of people that want their number one thing. Uh, and I just saw some recent data on this outside of the grocers from a university that food safety 
is really number one. They they yeah. want to make sure they don't take it home and have an E. coli breakout, you know, and uh, and that's one of the concerns that I have with small like farm to table supplies. And I'm really glad uh, that all these new packing plants are getting some grants from the federal government for you know USDA inspections as well as the USDA grading that was announced you know last week. And then they they want they want a good eating experience at a value. Mm-hmm. And uh, keep in mind this, too, when we talk about the customers and I, and we we were uh, I, my wife and I got to go to the Walmart Pride Pursuits first beef supply chain summit that Walmart hosted along with Prime Pursuits down in Scottsdale a couple of weeks ago. And the Walmart executives just did such a great job of painting the picture to the ranchers that they're not just growing 500 calves to put on a trailer and send them off and say, hey, they're they're going to, to a Walmart grocery store somewhere in the United States or a Kroger or somewhere. They are they are actually responsible for the most important meal of the week mm-hmm. for a family. Yeah. So there's a retirement dinner at a restaurant somewhere, and that family is is honoring their dad who's retiring or their mother who's retiring with a steak. And then there's the birthdays. And and then it's the most special meal of the week when people will actually spend the money for beef. And they don't eat uh, they don't eat uh, muscle meat every day like Lamar and Sherry do, or seemingly <laughs> it seems like I do. Uh, you know, hamburger, uh, they're, they're, people are eating hamburger a lot almost every night of the week. But those cuts that are special and expensive, it's the most important meal of their week. It might be the most important meal of their month. And if we disappoint them, with a marginal eating experience, then they may not come back for months. They may not come back to meat for months and they'll settle for, for some of the other proteins, chicken and pork, or worse yet, no meat at all is a challenge as well. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting perspective to look at that. I'd never thought about it that way until you were saying that. And I realized that, well, that's kind of how we do it. I mean, yeah, I'm, I, we probably eat a little bit more muscle meats on a normal regular occurrence than than the normal consumer does but you're absolutely right in that the most special meal of the week is typically what we are providing off of our ranches and i never thought about it from that perspective so very interesting to hear that my guest today lamar steiger we're going to come back with him some more as we continue to go a little deeper into this uh, some of the technology elements that are also a part of this this segment today brought to you by the american gelvy association make your crossbreeding count with gelvy and balancer genetics find out more at gelvy.org we'll be back after this Capitalize on crossbreeding with Geld V and Balancer bulls. Raise replacement females with added fertility, increased longevity, and greater productivity. Geld V and Balancer influenced females wean more pounds of calf per cow exposed. In the feed yard, Balancer influenced cattle offer increased performance, improved feed efficiency, and had excellent carcass merit. Balancers add the pounds, make the grade, and deliver the value. Make your crossbreeding count with Geld V and Balancer Genetics. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. As we continue on, my guest today, Lamar Steiger, a consultant with Ranch to Retail, working with kind of that middle aspect of understanding where the ranchers are at with with supplying the product and then the end game, the retailer that we need to know so much about. We talked about that a little bit in the last segment. Lamar, let's continue on. And now that this has been going for a few years, we've kind of have this supply chain built in place. What are the some of the things that we're learning when it comes to efficiency and, and tracking some of that type of technology. Yeah. So last week, I think there's some basic things that, that are coming up is last week when, uh, or two weeks ago, when there was this supplier summit for the Walmart supply chain, a rancher from Montana said, Hey, you know, Walmart actually make guarantees that you're going to get your, your data back on your carcasses. It's not just a promise. It's not just something that somebody says, yeah, I can get you that, but they actually get you your data back. And of course, uh, data is is the future. I mean, we have to have the product, the steak and the chuck and, and the hamburger, the grind, all that kind of stuff. We have to have that. But the way that all supply chains, not just beef, but all supply chains are going to be able to get product to a consumer at a reasonable price is to figure out using data how to become more efficient. And so, you know, I think that one of the things uh, 
is uh, as you get this this carcass data back on these, you can make adjustments in your breeding program. And there have been a lot of ranchers that have now had two or three or four years worth of data. And they're like, oh, my gosh, like I thought, you know, based on what I what I thought I knew that I was producing cattle that would that would be great and yield in such a way and, and not just great and yield at 70 percent you know, of the, of the harvest, but, a, but a hundred percent, because mm-hmm. it's very expensive to feed one for a program that doesn't, that, that grades low choice or, or select. And so, you know, that those are things that we, we can get better and better on. I am a big believer in that it is time. It's finally time. I think somebody told me we're in the third wave of trying to institute technology into agriculture and and in my case in your case it's the beef supply chain and and the third wave is different than the previous two waves of technology of like computer software programs and all the difference now is that we have the cloud and so the cloud makes it fairly uh e- easy i won't say easy it makes it a reasonable a reasonable idea to connect genetics to cow calf to the stalker background or to the feedlot. And you can do this all the way to the retailer. And you can do this without forcing everyone to buy new software. So for instance, if you're a feedlot operator, and there are some really outstanding feedlot softwares. Uh, the last thing you want to do is have somebody come in like a Walmart or something, you know, and tell you what to do as far as software. But if through the cloud and blockchain, uh, that you can take data from anybody's software and convert it into a usable data point that you can use to connect all the way through uh, the supply chain, then you can start looking at the ways to become more efficient. There are so many ways, so many things in our supply chain, Justin, that are totally out of our control. Mm-hmm. I mean, a feedlot guy has got to feed those cattle and his cost to feed is set. And it's very hard to figure out ways to bring that down. And I know they do their best to get it on as efficiently as they can, but uh, those are the things you can't control. You can't control, you know, the, the, the veterinarian expenses that you have to have. There are just so many things that you can't control. So uh, supply chains that are really aggressive in this, and, and I live here in Bentonville, Arkansas, as I think I said earlier, every consumer product company in the world has an office here and they face the same dilemma and every supply chain has been reinvented and has been digitalized and optimized except for probably beef Mm -hmm. even pork chicken commodity grains and all they are streamlining things and we still have this very unconnected dysfunctional uh, supply chain for the most part in our country where you have no idea where your animal's product, the beef that comes from your animal is going to end up. And so if you have no idea where it's going, there's no way to track that data. And so I'm really excited, even at a fundamental level, for instance, at the level of just shipping the cattle from one location to another, there's a very exciting company out of New Zealand called M2X. Mm-hmm. And M2X not only digitalizes all of the livestock transportation and every truck is a different size and every weight within a truck makes for a different loadout and all, but they digitalize all that. And they have an app that's much like the app that you might have when you travel in an airplane from American or United. And it says, Hey, uh, you're to go to gate a seven to load your plane. Well, this tells that trucker, there's a map and it tells the trucker to go to to loading chute number seven at the North lot. Mm-hmm. And it even has a map for them to follow. And the efficiencies that are gained there to cut costs are really quite astounding. And you can also cut your labor costs as truck drivers are really hard to find. And, uh, and particularly ones that are willing to haul livestock, right? And then there's some other softwares. I'm really excited also about a, a company called Breeder, B-R-E-E-D-R. And Breeder has a cloud-based program that connects all the dots. So you have to have EID tags, mm-hmm. of which like the Walmart programs have to have EID tags. And many, many now are accepting the fact that the EID tag is is a uh, is is a given. And we're just we're just gonna have to start doing that when an animal enters the point of commerce. And Breeder uses whatever software that a rancher, a feedlot operator and all has, and they connect the dots and work with the grocer. And the thing that I like about that company is they start with the grocer. What is it that that the grocer wants to have tracked because the customer is telling them they want to track this? And I think so many times, many, many times, we think we know what to track and trace. 
And sometimes we're spending money and effort on things that maybe the customers really don't care about it. So there's no point in in adding a lot of uh, PVPs that have a lot of a lot of uh, attributes that are that narrow the number of cattle in that particular verified program and make it so narrow that no no grocer or no uh, food service company actually actually wants that. And so uh, technology like that is the way that we can start saving the pennies. And one of, the, one of the ways to maybe think about that is when you have a goal of getting an efficient supply chain, the first 80% of that goal is not that hard. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of getting things organized, tracking cattle and doing all that. Yeah. But to put yourself over the top and really become efficient it's the last 20% and it's the pennies. And, and, and that's one thing that the grocery stores and maybe in particular Walmart, because that's the one I'm most familiar with, and Sam's Club, they do so well of figuring out how to take out a penny here and a penny there and a, and a penny. And when you take a really small number and you times it by a really big number, like Walmart <laughs> numbers, mm-hmm. it makes for a substantial savings in supply chain cost. And, and so, you know, if we can figure out a way to pay our ranchers a decent price and then take out the cost in between in these in these things that just need to be more efficient. And I am a firm believer that the time is now. The time is now. Customers want efficiency. They're demanding it. We have to use it in order to keep our costs down so we can sell a product at a price that the American beef eater will is willing to pay. Yeah, you bet. And I think in a lot of those lines, when you talk about efficiency and whether we want to address it or acknowledge it in some ways as the ranching industry, we also have to know that there's the conversation going on out there in regards to carbon footprints and those kinds of conversations. And when we can be efficient, such as you said, with our transportation of product to and from the many different places that those products get put on a truck to various other elements, you're just you're also answering that wave of line and questioning that's out there as well so my guest today lamar steiger he's going to be back we've got one more segment as we wrap up our conversation and conclude with just some final thoughts regarding this topic as he sits as a consultant between ranchers he himself a rancher as well and also the retailer some good insight today we'll continue and wrap this up when we come back here on the working ranch radio show There are lots of nutrition tubs out there, but none can match the True Blue commitment of Vitalix. Our tubs offer you the most concentrated nutrition at the lowest cost per day. That means more profit for your operation and improved performance for your cow herd. In fact, research shows Vitalix tubs increase feed efficiency by 20% while boosting conception rates, herd health, and weaning weights. Learn more at Vitalix.com. Vitalix, the True Blue Tub. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. My guest today is Lamar Steiger. He is a consultant, uh, his business ranch to retail, but also an owner of the 808 Ranch in southwestern Missouri. He and his wife, Sherry, operate that. And your brother, Carl, who's your foreman or your ranch manager, I believe, right? Yes, I call him the asset manager. I have a great cattleman named Chase Jameson and then... Uh, that runs the cattle and and uh, Carl runs everything else. Yeah. And he watches the checkbook closer than I ever have. So there it's you great go. to have my brother Carl. Yep, and I'm sure it just kind of helps relieve a little stress on your side of things as well. Lamar, as we wrap up our conversation, I, I appreciate the, your perspective because I believe not only is, are you as a rancher and you understand that element, you grew up in ranching, you've been through it your whole life, uh, moved into the consulting side of things and in very large retailers understanding that perspective. So I appreciate that today. As we wrap up our conversation and we look at some of the topics that come out of some of the things that you're talking talking about and and we talked about in the last segment improving efficiency is a real key part of our beef industry that we need to be looking at and some things that we can do there a comment i wrote down there as you were saying that is when we look at supply chain efficiency i think for sometimes as ranchers they feel well the more they strive for efficiency the retailers the less control i have as a rancher is that a valid point or not yeah, one of the number one topics that comes up as I go around the country and speak to farm bureau groups and cattlemen's groups and everything is this idea of vertical integration. And what I would like to kind of challenge people is don't don't let our fear of vertical integration. I live right here at the back door of <laughs> this big 
this big company, Tyson, who was one of the earliest ones to vertically integrate the poultry industry. And and I know the benefits of that. There's a lot of people that have been able to pay for their farm and been able to have run a really nice cow herd because they are vertically integrating in their poultry operation with um, with Tyson or Cargill or Simmons or are all the other companies that race race chickens here in the Ozarks. And so don't let our fear of vertical integration and the downside of that keep us from being vertically cooperative. And so what I really want to challenge people is, is there any other supply chain? And, the, and I ask the Walmart guys this and the Sam's Club guys this all the time. It's like, is there any other supply chain that is more siloed than the beef industry? And they they seriously cannot think of another one that you absolutely have very little knowledge or interest in the next part of the supply chain. And uh, you might raise your calves and sell them and they're gone. You might be a backgrounder and you find a feedlot that wants them and they're gone. And, and there's, and, and so I'm, I'm not afraid of vertically integrating beef. For instance, what they were able to do with poultry will not happen in beef because of the size of capital. The amount of capital that the beef industry takes, um, I like to joke that, you know, even Walmart, even the Waltons can't, are not wealthy enough like to vertically integrate any substantial part of the supply chain. I mean, the projects that we worked on at Walmart make up, a, you know, even a very little part of the supply chain. They're not vertically uh, integrated. It's just a, trying to find people that will partner together and and using a carrot to do that by paying better than than average and and rewarding people for the efforts that they do to really try to raise a consistent calf crop uh, of a consistent size and a consistent color that that uh, that the that translates into something their customer wants. And so, uh, you know, the cost of capital as far as land, the land mass that it takes for vertically integrating would be just astronomical of anything at scale, you know, and I can, I think I maybe said this before, but I can understand that people do not want to anyone else to have the knowledge of their cow herd or their, their kill numbers or whatever their, their data. They don't want anybody else to have that. And, and that's understandable. And, you know, it's not like Walmart or these other grocers, which I'm talking to a lot of grocers now uh, that they're, they're demanding that you do this, they're saying, hey, if you want to be a part of a supply chain, here's what we can do and here's what we can offer you in return. You know, I mentioned that supplier summit that Walmart had down in Scottsdale. And when they helped us as ranchers connect our mind with the table, as, as we talked about the retirement mm-hmm. dinner, the birthday party, man, I'm, I have got teary-eyed about that. It's like, we really have a responsibility to grow what customers want to buy. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes because we're in silos and because we don't want to talk and we're afraid of vertical integration, we oftentimes as ranchers, and I've been as guilty of this as anybody, we grow cattle that are not necessarily what the U S customer wants. And, um, and so, uh, you know, I can't imagine as I walk through a grocery store uh, that they carry any items that customers don't want. And uh, one of the things, Justin, that that people will say to me is like, Walmart ought to do this. Walmart ought to do that. They ought to do this. And, you know, Walmart sells what people want. Mm -hmm. And if people, if the, if the price of beef gets so high and if, uh, if, if customers uh, are not happy with the product, you know, they can sell less shelf space of beef and, and pork where they can add chicken or they can add vegan, whatever, you know, uh, I mean, they sell what customers want, not what we think they want. Mm-hmm. Boy, I tell you what, uh, that just this part of our conversation, we could go on for probably another hour, Lamar, on things because it just in my mind, there's a lot of other things rolling around. Uh, I know you yourself as a rancher, we could get into the reading program and some conversations about that as ranchers, but we're kind of shortened on time here. So as we wrap up here, just really quick, from your perspective, being on the, uh, the as a consultant and seeing the rancher side of things, also seeing the consumer, the, gr- the grocer side of things, just give us where you see this market heading here as we move forward. Yeah, the the, the cattle market is going to do, you know, what it's always done. It's up and down based on numbers and all that. And if you're satisfied with being a commodity producer 
and you're satisfied with that, that's that's no problem at all. I mean, there's always going to be cattle sold and there's always a market for, you know, grind and all those sort of things. And and there are there are restaurant chains that aren't aren't committed to a high quality product. There are grocers as well. And so there's always going to be a market. But if if we want to stay in business and make a premium and and actually do something bigger than ourselves, then I think the future is going to be some level of supply chain organization for a percentage of the cattle. And it's going to be the better cattle. The, the grocery chains know what customers want. They're going to go back and they're going to reach in and they're going to buy the kind of cattle that they feel like are important to their customers that produce the kind of meat that their customers want. And so I think there'll be a growing number of grocery chains and 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 food service also mm-hmm. that will that will be organizing some supply chains of some sort. I don't see those people dictating to you, the rancher, what to do. I see them saying, hey, if you'll do these things, we'll pay a premium for this. And then uh, and then they'll have to figure out how to get their customer to pay to help them offset the cost of that premium. But again, driving, driving foot traffic into a store, red meat plays a great role in that. And I think that makes me excited. And, and then just one other note is like, the future of the beef business, I think is pretty exciting because like, what I ask myself, and I lay in bed at night thinking this, would the largest grocer, the largest retail company in the country, invest this much money in a beef supply chain, two, two beef supply chains now, because they have another another one that they're starting uh, with Nebraska's sustainable beef, the new plant. Would they invest their capital in this if they weren't 100% sure that beef was an important part of the American customer's purchases and eating experience and no, they wouldn't. They have they have a limited amount of capital. It's a huge company, but they they can't just throw capital around. So they're very cautious and they're very uh, strategic about how they invest that capital. And that gives me uh, confidence as a rancher to charge on and mm-hmm. try to connect myself with the grocer. You bet. Well, Lamar, you've given us a lot to think about. I appreciate you joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. You bet. It was all. It's uh, it was an honor to be on, and it's good to get to chat again, Justin. You bet. A lot to think about after today's show. As ranchers, I know this time of the year we're also pretty consumed, and it's rightly so. Need to be consumed. It's an important time. Calves starting to hit the ground for a lot of folks, and will be coming in the next several months. And there's not really a time, probably, that you're not busy doing something. But at the same time, it's always good to step back and be introspective in regards to who this end product is going to that we're working so hard on every day and i think today's show is that is a time where you can think about that definitely a lot to think about appreciate lamar steiger our guest joining us here today a friend i appreciate his insight into this as a consultant both as a rancher himself and as a consultant to grocers and retailers across the country we'll stay with us coming up after the break the captain tim o'burn publisher and editor of working ranch magazine will be in for this week's edition of tim's two cents we'll be back after this Fascinated by our wild weather? Now you can learn, appreciate, and understand the weather in your own backyard with the new Tropo Rain Gauge. Having achieved the highest rating of any product reviewed by theweatherstationexperts.com, the Tropo boasts rugged durability, impeccable accuracy, and precision to the hundredth of an inch. Visit MeasureRain.com to order a Tropo today and use code RAINDAY, that's R-A-I-N-D-A-Y, for free shipping and 10% off. Go to Measure Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch, Radioland. Hope everybody got home safe from CattleCon in Orlando, Florida. We were there, had a booth. It was a great time. Fantastic to meet so many good people and friends that we haven't seen in a while. Justin, I am, I would consider myself to be a kind of a long game thinker on certain things. I think it comes from my cowboy days, uh, working the big outfits, trotting back to camp or working on long drives and um, with guys you've already heard all their stories. I don't want to hear the story about you getting the trailer and the truck stuck on the alkali flats for the 39th time. So we just basically ride along in silence. Gives you time to think about these things. And I've been thinking about this whole carbon net zero 
agriculture thing. I've been watching some videos like this Lonesome Lands guy was on there here last week. I watched that. And it's got me thinking that I ain't buying it quite yet. Now, a lot of folks know that, um, you know, we do a lot of serious thought into what goes into the magazine and on the radio show and onto social media. But with that type of thought also comes a, uh, eventually it all unfolds and we kind of see what, what that critters, whether he's going to buck or not. And I ain't buying this whole thing. So that's just my two cents. Now you guys can take it for wherever it is. Back to you in the booth, Justin. All right. Thanks, Captain. You know, that is a very interesting dilemma, that subject in itself. Uh, I I think you're right in the fact that let's just kind of see how this horse is going to buck a little bit before we come out on this. I think initially there's a lot of folks jumping into this and probably my concern would be more that they're using it more as a marketing tool than they are actually uh, a mechanism that they're really have a heartfelt issue towards climate concerns. However, that is another side note, just take our subject today and our conversation that we had today with Lamar and some of the things some of these giant retailers like Walmart, like Sam's are doing in terms of of trying to reduce carbon emissions and address the issue there. But one of the things was just efficiency is if they can be more efficient with their supply chain, then it's kind of a win-win situation for a lot of different segments, not only for their their concern regarding addressing climate issues but also efficiency is helpful in the fact that if we can do more with less uh, be more efficient in our transportation be more efficient in other things along our supply chain well all in all that's beneficial to the pocketbook so that's the dilemma i see in that and i think you're right i i do have some concerns regarding just jumping on this i i definitely don't want to turn a blind eye against it and not listen to what's going on out there but i'm with you i think there's a little bit more that needs to be shook out in regards to this subject as we move forward in that well normally at this time of the show we would be having meteorologist don day stepping in as we take a look at our long-term weather but unfortunately he had an emergency that happened here at the last minute this week so he's unable to be here but we will look forward to having him back next week as we get a good grip of what he anticipates to see in our long-term weather we're going to take a break here and we'll put a wrap on this week show when we return on the working ranch radio show capitalize on crossbreeding with geld v and balancer bulls raise replacement females with added fertility increased longevity and greater productivity geld v and balancer influenced females wean more pounds of calf per cow exposed in the feed yard, balancer-influenced cattle offer increased performance, improved feed efficiency, and have excellent carcass merit. Balancers add the pounds, make the grade, and deliver the value. Make your crossbreeding count with Geld V and Balancer Genetics. When your goal is to help animals reach their full potential, health matters. Diamond V offers a fresh perspective on animal health, a perspective that supports gut health, strengthens immunity, and enhances performance. For those who choose to invest in keeping healthy animals healthy, feeding Diamond V makes a statement about another dimension of profit, where margins are measured by confidence in your future. To get a fresh perspective, visit DiamondV.com because animal health deserves a healthier approach. Here's what we're working on on the next edition of the Working Ranch Radio Show with cattle inventory numbers out showing our lowest herd size in about 70 years, if I remember reading that right. What does that mean for the cattle prices for 2024? We're going to discuss that as a lot of those projections have been put out of what this calf market's going to look like, as well as the bread market. There's a lot to talk about in that. Be sure to join us on the next Working Ranch Radio Show. By the way, you can catch any old shows by going to workingranchradio.com. Well, the Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's Ranchers. If you'd like to get a hold of me, my email address is justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm Justin Mills, and until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.